Keep on talking in the free world. And we're live at five. The phone lines are now open, taking all TFC fan calls. Talk That Talk is the official live fan reaction call-in show, often imitated, never duplicated. Taking all your calls 30 minutes before and immediately after the final whistle for every TFC game. It's Wednesday, February 17th at 12, well, 12.31 p.m. Should have been 12.30. We're 30 minutes away from TFC's second final preseason game of the year. And I haven't seen the starting 11 yet. Want to do a quick recap of last week or last game. It was a good showing. It was a good showing. And, you know, there was there was a lot of uh, whining online about the left and the right back. So I want to touch on that for a minute and then get into what we're expecting to see today. But last week or last game, the boys looked good. The the left and the right back situation is oddly I mean, it's a long road. But you know, for everyone to say that we're at desperate times right now. Listen, but first, before we last week or last game, the left and the right back looked great. We couldn't have asked for anything more from Schaffelberg and uh, Marshall Ruddy. I don't know what everyone was expecting. That, that was the best possible scenario, best case scenario. So I don't know what everyone's pissing and balling about is that Bradley came in and he put these guys in place and he didn't, we didn't, the losing Richie was unexpected. But the aura wasn't the aura was intentional, and we didn't quote unquote lose people. He came in and identified, I believe, who can play these roles better, and moving forward, who's going to be more beneficial to us, and that's what he found. So I have no issue with it at all. I'd love to hear what everyone has to say about it's a little bit more in depth about that and what how they're expected to play out in the season. Because I think that uh, we got some diamond in the rough situations as far as the left and the right back go. Going into the starting 11 for today, uh, what was I going to say is that we don't have it up here, but listen, the fans have spoken. When you put out the starting 11, you got to put out the formation, you got to put out. We got to put out the formation and their positions. You're just putting out the random list, and the commentator didn't know the start or the lineup change when we changed over at half. And you got to put in the starting lineup in their formation and get it right. The one we see on TV is always wrong. The one on the score is always wrong. You know, if it's fluid, that's fine. Then update it. Put it on the screen. Put it on underneath the score. Put it somewhere visual for us to see, so we see what's happening and so we're aware of what's happening. For uh, today, I'm expecting to see the same thing from the left and the right back. I'm expecting to see the same lineup, really, unless we hear something different. We're going to see Schaffelberg fit in beautifully in that position. You got a guy who, you got a guy who's going to go both ways for you. He's rugged. He's tenacious. He's hard on the ball. Yes, it's a new position to him, but he did track back a lot, even though it's different. He did track back a lot in that position. And he's gritty and he's coachable and he's young. I mean, it's not an easy task to transition back to a defending position. 
uh, contrary to popular belief, when everyone thinks that anyone can defend, ask Maradona, God bless his soul, God rest his soul, everyone can't defend. He found that out the hard way in the World Cup in 2014 in South Africa. But it looked good. And he looked confident. He looked confident on the ball. He looked confident with the tackles. And Marshall, right? So, you know, what Schaffelberg brings to us, and these are huge spots for us, the left and the right back. You know, now everyone is crying about our back line and the left and the right backs when I didn't hear anyone talking about that for years and years and years. I've been talking about that from the beginning, saying that we all love goals. We all want goal scores. We all want creative players. We all want to understand what the plan of attack is and how we're going to score. Like I said last year a million times is that, you know, I would, I would ask anyone, how are we going to score? The only way we were going to score last year were crosses from Schaffelberg. Anyone who watched the season last year, once he came on the field, at whatever point in the season he came in, halfway through, I think, when he came on from that, and I was calling for him, you know, let this guy, give this guy an opportunity. And once we saw him, I was calling for him to start the entire game, every game, start and play full game. Is that, that was our only threat of scoring last year were his crosses into the box. Unfortunately, we didn't have anyone to finish those balls, but that was our only way of scoring. If you were in the room before the game or game plan throughout the week and everyone's in the room, I would have loved to heard everyone say when that idiot Armist was there talking about, how, how are we going to score? Don't tell me we're going to cross balls in from the right because that's not happening. You know, I love Richie, but, you know, he's cutting back or he's bringing it to the back line once in a blue moon in desperation mode, cutting it back into the box, but he's not crossing the balls. And then you didn't have anyone over, even when Richie was back there overlapping or even when Oro was back there overlapping and when they were changing positions right and left, they still weren't crossing the balls over. You didn't have any through balls. We had no creative mids. There's no one, there's no one threading the needle. There's no one putting any through balls in. The only way we were scoring miraculously on a set piece, we didn't have anyone to take free kicks properly. PKs were a shit show. And then the corners, we had the wrong people taking the corners, and you got the tallest guy in the field. Well, the second tallest guy in the field being Bradley taking the free kicks. And I don't want to hear about a couple, uh, you know, rabbits that were pulled out of a hat by Cisco and uh, Gonzalez. Thank God they're both gone with those couple uh, set pieces, you know, that – all the stars had to align for that to go in. So, anyway, as always, phone lines are open. This is Talk That Talk, the official fan live reaction call-in show. Before and after every Toronto FC game, we're here 30 minutes before the game, and we're here immediately after the final whistle, taking all fans' calls. Looking for every all the TFC fans to call in. Prior to the game, we'll do a recap of last game. The starting 11 is really what we all want to talk about is that, well, unless you tell me something different. To me, going into each game, the starting 11 is what we're all looking at and we're all dissecting. Is it right? Is it wrong? What are we expecting? Uh, are we expecting, were we expecting this starting 11? What do we think of the formation tactically, how it stacks up against the other team, so on and so forth. Then, you know, we'll touch on a little bit of news and then everyone's final thoughts going in. In a perfect world, the less talking I do, the better. That means that all the fans are talking, and that's what we're here for. So those are my thoughts on Schaffelberg, is that he has the skill set to make that transition. And it plays into his strength for us offensively, which is, as you saw last preseason game, 
He's still able to overlap. He's not looking to cut in. You know, Schaffelberg is not looking to cut in ever. Uh, he's not looking to cut in and, and switch with his right. He's not looking to cut in and shoot with his right. He's just not looking to cut in, period. So he's going to overlap. He's going to give you width, which is extremely important and something that we lacked, desperately lacked. And, you know, this is what Bradley has identified, and rightfully so, which I've been crying for for years, is that although we're going to be narrow in the midfield, we'll get into that and how that could present problems, but the left back and right back position will give us the width and Schaffelberg. Everyone is going to continue to see. I can't believe there's still non-believers out there. Even with the transition to the new role, I cannot believe there are still non-believers in Schaffelberg. So I think we're going to be set in the left back position. Me personally. Then we go to Marshall Ruddy. Anyone who watched that game, everyone already, you know, has raved about his skill set and you know the fact that he's only 17 years old. And his trajectory as far as what everyone is expected moving forward, you know, most are expected to move to Europe at some point in his career. Uh, I'm hoping at some point in time we're going to get to a scenario where, like I've said, I've been saying this for over 10 years, 15, TFC, uh, MLS will be the number one sports league in the world. It will be the number one. MLS will take over all North American sports. It will be the number one North American sport, and so and it will be the number one soccer league in the world. We will live to see that happen. We will definitely live to see that happen because as things grow, and as they continue to grow, and as we continue to focus on this side of the world and players from South America and Central America, that there's only a select few that are ready to make that immediate jump to somewhere substantial in Europe. And then, you know, they're going to lesser clubs when they can't do that or lower leagues in the big, lower divisions in the big leagues. And that move. However, that dynamic has changed. And I said 10, 15 years ago that that dynamic would change because eventually the physical proximity and the effect that pop culture and the media, you've seen the effect pop culture has had on the NBA. The, fact, the effect that pop culture and social media and the media at large has on the marketing of society in North America, you know, for better or for worse, and a lot of, a lot of onus put socially on fame and attention and, again, social media. Anyway, this is the lore for the younger stars in South America and Central America that might have remained where they were in an effort to try to get to Europe or play Liga MX or continue in their own domestic leagues in South America, MLS is transitioning. In the end, for the ones that their talent comes to serious fruition, then they make to move to Europe. But eventually, the final step for us will be we'll get the massive TV contract. MLS will get the massive, massive ESPN uh, long-term massive TV contract. And when that happens, and as the quality of play continues to rise, and when the quality of play... For players that are looking for a move to Europe that have come to the MLS, there will come a time when a few things will factor in. One, the move to Europe is always going to be the number one priority because that's where the level of play is at the highest. Champions League is the most respected tournament. And that's where you are going to reach the pinnacle of your soccer career. That is the current state. However, 
and you garner attention from Europe and you garner attention worldwide because it's the most pop popular sport in the world. However, as MLS continues to grow and the focus needs to be and it is on the continued improvement of level of play. And that's why the less oldies but goodies coming over here, the better. You know, this is this is long, long, long since it's been a retirement league. That's long gone. So the level of play increases for MLS. And then you're on in a situation where competition-wise, now there's some decisions to be made as far as where do we stack up as far as European leagues before players decide to leave. You know, where, where are we in the pecking order? Have we surpassed uh, Liga? Have we surpassed Serie A? Have we surpassed uh, the Bundesliga? Where are we? This is as time goes on. And then so if the decision has been made that the level of play is there, then is the attention there? Is the world watching? And again, when the Americans decide that it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And social media and media at large will make sure that MLS garners the most attention of any sports, any soccer league in the entire world and any sports league in North America. And then the final nail in the coffin will be with that massive TV contract that ESPN will put up in the end, then all the money will be there. So they'll be able to check the box of level of play. They'll be able to check the box of attention for sponsorships and basically recognition that I'm at the highest level. And then they'll be able to get paid. Because even now, if you paid someone way more than they were going to get in, let's say, the English Premier League, you know, they're not, they're, they're not staying. They're going. Because the gap in money could never be big enough. And even if it was, you're not playing where you need to play. Anyway, I digress. So this is Talk That Talk. The phone lines are open 30 minutes before every TFC game and immediately after the final whistle. Talk That Talk is the official live fan reaction call-in show. Often imitated, but never duplicated. This is We're taking your calls all show before and after. Like I said, the less talking I do, the better. It's an opportunity for TFC fans to come in pregame. We'll do a little recap of the previous game, and then we'll get right into the starting 11, where, you know, really the meat of the conversation and what's happening in this upcoming game. Touch on some news and get everyone's final thoughts. Going into tonight now back, sorry, I kind of veered off a little bit with, uh, with the MLS, but that's the state of MLS, and it couldn't be in a better spot. Marshall Ruddy on the other side for right back. Poise. Poise is probably the number one word I would use to describe Marshall Ruddy is the poise, you know, confidence, demeanor. He, he knows what he's bringing to the table. He knows that he's confident. Number one, he knows that when he's on the ball, in his mind, it's not being taken from him. He's confident, he's poised, he's calm under pressure, and he's responsible with the ball. His shielding is phenomenal. Here's a guy who's just transitioned to right back, where you're, even though he's not technically the last man back, because he's playing a couple yards ahead of the center backs, and he's out wide. So there's still work to do if someone beat him. But regardless, is that you are the last line of defense, and then someone comes down the wing, then you're exposed. Him having the ability and the confidence to play back to Back to uh, the play, shielding the ball while he's making his decisions. That's if he's put in that position. You know, ideally, that's not the position he always wants to be in. But we saw that a bunch of times last game. And the confidence to have your head up, to be aware, to shield, not give up possession, be able to play the way you're facing if you have to lay it off and play it back to the center back to be able to for them to move the ball around to the other side or send it up the middle or even give it back to Ruddy to take it up the field. 
We also saw him turn on that player a couple times with the back-to-play turn on them. And then we saw him receive balls, open up, and carry the ball. He cut in. He joined the play. I think there was a give-and-go. He also had a situation where he went through the middle and the top of the box. And still, I don't know if he was trying to shoot or he was trying to distribute, but it was with his left foot. Didn't work out. Kind of fell down. But the point was, was that he didn't overreach. You know, he wasn't trying to be a rock star. He didn't overreach. It was within his control and it was great to watch to me the shield i mean you know so i'm i'm a huge fan of the traditional number nine physical player where shielding is the number one asset well the number one asset is to finish garbage but i mean strength on the ball and shielding you know i got a soft place for that in my heart and that's where marshall Reddy really impressed me last week so you know for anyone watching these games i'd love you know we'd love off the hook would love off the hook is the provider of talk that talk off the hook is the platform for the people. The power has always been and will always be in the passion of the people. I'd love, we'd love for TFC fans to let us know how they're feeling about the left and right back position. You know, Twitter is a beautiful place. Uh, despite what some people think there is no better place than Twitter. Twitter is a reflection of society. It is what it is. Good, bad, or indifferent. I love Twitter. Can't get enough. So, you know, we're chatting on Twitter throughout the game, every game. Follow off the hook on Twitter to be able to join the conversation and then prepare to come in before and after every game. But on Twitter, you have a lot of people that were concerned, rightfully so, about the left and right back position. But I'd like to hear, I'd like to hear some uh, pros and cons of what they think the status is right now, like I just went through. The obvious is these two are new to the position. You know, we spent a lot of time talking about this pregame today because it's an important thing. I said, I've been saying for the last half a dozen years, you know, yes, we need to score. So number one, we need to under, sorry, number one, defensively, we need to be sound. And we haven't been defensively sound in a long time. We weren't even that defensively sound. I mean, when we were going back to back to back in the uh, MLS Cup. So... The uh, the defense over the last few years has been atrocious. And again, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want Mavinga playing there. I don't. You know, that's really what everyone should be talking about. I've been talking about Mavinga for the past three years. Listen, the guy, you know, the guy is, he's invested. He loves the team. It's full effort, but he's irresponsible. He's irresponsible. He's an irresponsible tackler. And so his method of defending is always you know, high risk (laughs) in his mind, high risk, high reward. But really what it amounts to is high risk, no reward because you take the high risk. What what are you risking? You're risking that you're able to win the ball. And then what you're going to take it the length of the field and bury it. No. So you're you're supposed to defend and jockey and, and try to push your attacking player out wide and in less and less of a threatening position, all the while jockeying them and trying to get them away from goal. Not flying in out of nowhere, overcompensating, slide tackling, king of slide tackles that are irresponsible, king of cards, king of slide tackles inside the 18, king of slide tackles inside the six, just a total disaster. And that is not the type of player that you want, period, playing center back. And it certainly isn't the type of defender that you want in a center back position when they're trying, when they have a new 
brand new player at the left back position that conceivably a lot of responsibility will be on Mavinga to be able to navigate Schaffelberg, to be able to give him direction on, well, navigate exactly, give him direction on when to overlap and when to stay at home. And then to work with them in a partnership as they defend the left side. However, I think that is going to be the part. Ironically enough, I think Schaffelberg is going to be just fine. I think the mess will continue to be Mavinga, as it always has been. And Bradley's going to have a lot of work to do is, you know, on an angle, cutting back defensively to be able to cover off for Mavinga's mess. And he'll be partnering with Schaffelberg a lot as far as communication goes and defending, in my opinion. So... That's where I am with Mavinga. That's I was hoping that Shane O'Neill, you know, was gonna. I'm still hoping we didn't really get much of a glimpse from last game. And when they came in in the second half, I know the half was kind of messed up because it was a, it was a quote unquote early half because of the hail and the rain delay and thunder and lightning. Sorry, so along with the hail, but uh, so when Shane O'Neill came in, I didn't really see how it all unfolded. There were two times where we were really exposed down the middle, which is his position, and I believe they were both kind of leaning toward the left side, so the right attack. I don't know what he had to do with that. I didn't watch the game a second time. I just watched it the one time. So I'd love to hear people think about him as well. Um, You know, then we have Osorio and Pozuelo, who we're looking for a lot from. Pozuelo, even in his MVP years, was not the most creative mid that people may think he is. You know, there was a lot of tracking back. There was a lot of defensive play. There was a lot of slowing down the play. And when he did make offensive plays and he did, I mean, he made a lot of, don't get me wrong. He was looking forward in that season, but it wasn't like relentless, relentlessly looking forward. It's phenomenal at the set pieces, phenomenal at the uh, free kicks PKs. So the set pieces and, you know, he understands how, he understands how to distribute when it's on his mind, but it's not always on his mind. You know, he's great at outside the 18 at the corners, sort of floating them in for a post. He lo- like That's what he loves to do. But, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot, of, there's too much defensive fucking around for me. So I don't know what we're going to see. He didn't have the greatest game last game. And, uh, he didn't look offensively minded. He had several free kicks, uh, one of which he didn't have a crack on goal when he was within range. You know, he tried to hit the far post and the player for the header. Second, another one, I forget, same situation. And it was windy, but that doesn't mean you can't have a go. And then another one, he laid a pass wide instead of having a crack on net, throw a free kick. And then when he finally decided to take one at the end, for the second last one or his last one, they blasted right into the wall. So, ironically enough, the biggest knock on Osorio that I've always said is that, you know, the guy is a glorified stopper. And, you know, despite all the talking he did over the years about scoring goals or being offensive-minded, that was never him. Now, I got love for Osorio, and I wanted to keep him on the team. And uh, thankfully, they did. Bob Bradley spoke about him in his first interview with Tim and friends when Bob Bradley came here and spoke highly of Osorio, mentioning him by name. He only mentioned a few players by name, and Osorio was one of them. So right then and there, you knew he had an affinity for him and respected his play and thought he could be a big contributor to this team, and I believe that to be true as well. Now, we've seen glimpses in the last window with Team Canada, and then in this one preseason game that we got the live stream for, Osorio created 
Osorio put some balls through. He created uh, the goal. He was an integral part of creating that goal. It went through several players. But, I mean, Osorio was the key component to beginning the creation of that. And then I, can't, I think it was Bradley to Osorio and then Osorio to Pozuelo. Pozuelo to my boy um, Jaden Nelson. And then out wide to Schaffelberg. And then, lo and behold, of course, Schaffelberg swings it in wide. Took a bounce. But then Jesus finished it. My boy Jesus. We were expecting big things from Jesus. So... I don't want to get too optimistic on Osorio. The long and short of it is we all know that we're going to need a creative mid. Okay, so that, that's we went around the starting 11. I didn't check online to see if the starting 11 has been posted since I've been talking. So that's the, you know, we didn't get to every player, but kind of that's what we're expecting. Some news I wanted to briefly touch on. Listen, listen, uh, Josie Altador is the greatest TFC player of all time. Of all time. And I'm sick of this bullshit of people shitting on uh, all over Josie day in and day out. This is going to be my final uh, my final say before we get to the final whistle. Listen, you had, uh, and I love Javinko. I love both of them. But call it like it is. Josie Altador is the greatest TFC player of all time. Javinko, Altador. Javinko has not been here as long, was not here as long as Altador was. Altador was here for forever and a day. Javinko scored huge goals for TFC. Altador scored more huge goals for TFC than Javinko. And I'm not here to say, like, again, this is the last time I'm going to qualify this. I love Javinko, and I'm not here to say anything negative about him, but you got to tell it like it is. So, Javinko was not here as long as Altador. Altador is here forever and a day. Javinko has scored some big goals for TFC and a huge piece of our success. And he won the MVP. Altador did not win the MVP, but he scored more big goals for TFC than Javinko. Javinko, always injured, always pulling up with the hammies, always coming off in crucial plays, always coming off in crucial games, crucial moments, missing crucial games, and then unapologetic for it. And came off that game when we didn't get the, instead of taking the PK, couldn't even, it came off an extra time and, and didn't stay on to take the PK. You had to come off an extra time. Josie, same thing. Comes off in all the crucial moments, came off in big games, missed playoff runs for us, and then had the audacity when he comes on when it's too little, too late. That was fucking Vanny's fault, putting him on too late. But the point was that when he comes on, you know, what's frustrating with Josie, he only needs a half a minute to bag one, bags one. Too little, too little, too late. You know, he shows up, these games can't start, or Vanny wasn't starting, whatever the fuck's going on. But the point is, is that he's done the same. And he's also come off of games with the hammies and not wanting to travel the turf fields and, and this and that and the other thing. So, you know, that's where, again, there aren't even playing field there. Listen, when Armas came in, everybody fucking hated Armas. Everybody hated Armas, and rightfully so. And we had two minutes left, and everyone acknowledged. I said in the beginning, why in the name of Christ is this guy even here? And then everyone wanted to, everyone was complaining, and rightfully so, about Armas. And then all of a sudden, you hate Armas. You recognize that he's not for this team. His whole philosophy is way above his depth, way in over his head, sorry, and out of his depth. And But yet, so when Josie identifies that, then no one's on Josie's side. And he's the one identifying, he's identifying what we're all pissing and balling about 24-7. But when Josie does it, then all of a sudden Josie's the bad guy? Say hello to the bad guy. You're never going to see a bad guy like this again, let me tell you. You know what? 
trial a bunch of assholes. Anyway, when Javinko fucked TFC around, I think three times, but once when he said that we didn't want to give him the money and he fooled around and he was playing hide and go seek and everything else. And then he went and played in Saudi Arabia. Then, uh, then this time around when he's showing up in the booth, he's here, he's not here. He loves Toronto. He has a place here. He wants to play here. And then, uh, he's putting on the Jersey. He's in preseason. Then he's leaving and saying, we didn't want to give him the money and we didn't want him. And he's saying all the things that, uh, are supposed to be quote unquote private airing out quote unquote dirty laundry. Josie is here. Greatest Toronto FC player of all time. And then he does his press conference. And I didn't even see the whole thing. I'm just going from the snippets. So I have to watch. But then he turns around and identifies what we already knew. That Armas is an asshole. And there were issues behind closed doors. And there was obviously an issue with Josie and Armas. And TFC and Ali chose Ali Curtis chose Armas' side. Like idiots. So I don't want to hear it anymore. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. If everyone's going to shit all over Josie, shit all over... Uh, Javinko, but what what should be happening is you shouldn't, you shouldn't be shitting over either one of them, because you know again, this is the, they've both taken similar paths. And truth be told, Javinko is the one that fucked over TFC way more and had way more negative things to say and quote unquote aired out way more dirty laundry. So if you're going to give it to someone, give it to Javinko, but you shouldn't be giving it to either one of them. And again, Josie Altador, greatest Toronto FC player of all time. And in case anyone forgot, always keep on talking in the free world.